1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Welcome to On the Continent, your one-stop shop for all things European football. I'm Dotton Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Miguel Delaney. On today's show, we look back at, at something of a strange summer, I think it's fair to say, for Lionel Messi and Barcelona, obviously, and maybe even for Man City. We'll come on to that in a moment or two. And we'll be uh, wondering who on earth will play for PSG, whether they've played for a certain North London club or not, and... Also coronavirus problems, not just for PSG, I suppose right across the continent in football. And Ricardo Caresme, well, that's gotta be the story of this podcast for me in any case. Andy, Lionel Messi, Barcelona. What on earth is going on?
2: It's been coming for a long time. I think that's pretty clear. I think the interesting thing about the whole Messi and Barcelona situation is that I know some Barcelona fans and some regularly match-going Barcelona fans who were almost not happy, of course, with their 80 defeat to Bayern Munich in the Champions League, but sort of at a point that now the rest of the world knows we're not mad. They know we've not been exaggerating the, the the problems that have been brewing at this club for a long time. And the fact that those problems have been bubbling towards the surface has been clear in the way, as I've said elsewhere, um, that, that Messi has approached this season in, in a media sense. He, in off-the-pitch terms, wants a quiet life. He's, he's not Cristiano Ronaldo, who he's so often and erroneously compared with. He's someone who just wants to play and just wants to play to the most successful level possible. So if you know that, you know that his increasing sorties in the media this season show a man at the end of his tether when he has to come out and he feels he has to bat back against Abidal or when he has to bat back against the board. So this isn't an overnight thing, him coming out and saying, I I can't be part of this this madhouse anymore. It's something that has been coming for 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 quite a while and i think what is the most interesting thing going forward really is what's going to happen between january and the middle of march because clearly this fracture has been exacerbated beyond repair and his relation in the relationship between him and the people who run the club um under the last couple of years of uh, Joseph Bartomeu the, the, the president who he has clearly absolutely no respect for now Bartomeu will go when there are club elections in March the big questions are can he go any sooner can the socios the card carrying fans make him go any quicker and what can be done about that window between January the 1st when because his contract's up at, in in summer 2021 he can sign for someone else. He can sign for anyone else at that point for the following season. So what can be done f- from a Barcelona perspective to close the window between January the 1st and the point where Bartoméo leaves the club? Mm. Uh,
1: and th- this is the thing. I mean, throughout all this, there's been some debate about how much is posturing from Messi um, how much is his kind of leverage. But I think that was all exploded with his interview last Friday with Goal, which I mean, I, I, it was actually extraordinary, especially when you when, when you put it in the context that Andy just said about the sort of figure Messi did, and someone who for most of his career hasn't actually said much in the media at all, and to then go with that, and not just uh, not just what he, what he said, but also to be saying it in the context of an interview where you're actually announcing that you're staying at the club. <laughs> and then you just go and actually destroy everything about the club, and, and even that. There was, I, I mean, there was a lot that stood out about it, but one in terms of the the problems for the, for Barca as a team was basically well, he said there's been no project here for years. In a sense, there's been no, it, it, and this has been one of the issues of Barca, and one of the issues that he's basically just about managed to pin together and win them title after title through his genius. That it's always just making do. And, and I mean, you you. I was thinking about this when the story first broke, which I suppose was really after the Asasuna game when he did uh, defeat end towards the end of last season, when he first kind of complained publicly and so prominently. Well, I mean, one of the first 11s you could put together from some of the Barca signings in the past few years, the last half decade alone would be one of the strangest teams I think you'll ever see. I mean, Braithwaite, Milan, Kevin Prince-Boateng, Paulinho. Um, and he's, I mean, which, which is not anything against any of those individual players, but They just seem so odd in the sense of what Barcelona should be. It's just a case of constantly plugging gaps, and those problems haven't gone away. And you would, I mean, in a a broader sense, I actually think there are some potential positives for the Spanish league, if you want to draw it out. First of all, they keep possibly the best player of all time. I I would think so. Um, Because I I, I was thinking of it if Messi went to Manchester City, who who does La Liga put in their promotional material?
2: I mean, <laughs> speak, speaking of that, what did you make of La Liga actually getting involved well, to, to, yeah. to clarify the, the contract? I mean, it, it does hark back to Neymar, doesn't it? Yeah, and, yeah. And Javier Tebas' involvement. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: I, I think people close to Messi basically made that, made that very clear as well that you know, all these intimations and kind of, you know sources maintain and La Liga isn't exactly an independent party and in all this mm. but but it, I mean La Liga is at a kind of a strange period in its recent history in that regard but because of this I mean you can't, you can't even call it a transition with Barca maybe more of a transition to Real Madrid we could have a more open league of the season where the points threshold from Barca and Madrid drops off. I mean, because the last few seasons, obviously they've been getting averages of about what 90 points a year. That's mm. been kind of taken as a given that, that could potentially come down um, because it's hard really to see Barca getting better.
2: That's, that's right. And I think that's a good point, actually Atletico or, well, if, even if we're stretching it severe, Cannot challenge for, cannot realistically challenge for the title in a ninety-five point season. Yeah, that that simply can't happen. Um, so I, I suppose it's 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 the eternal um, quandary, really, isn't it? Uh, the, the eternal dilemma when it comes to leagues and especially European leagues, where we've got into the habit of the same team winning it every yeah. year. And especially with with even with the Liga, which we define really as a as as, as a two-team yeah. league. Or a lot of people define it as a two-team league, but the reality is, before last season, Barcelona won it eight times out of the league. Yeah, yeah. That that feels pretty one-team leaguey to me. Yeah,
1: and so, that was Messi's great legacy, I think. To be fair, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we we you, we can quibble about his Champions League record, certainly in recent seasons, but I think he was a victim of um, circumstances at Barça, uh, and, and, and there was a sense they basically they, they wasted the potential of the best player of all time. But I think. I mean, if you if you look at what Messi is as a player, and it's just kind of this extraordinary, everyday exceptionalism, everyday exceptional ability, everyday brilliance, and there's there's no greater format than a league to actually translate that because it's just kind of mm. it's just result after result after result. You know, he, you know, his his highlight reel from a few weeks could be the highlight reels of kind of other oh, great players' careers, uh, and, and and that's that, that's I think where you see. And, and let's not forget that, you know, for, for most of Barcelona's his, history the league title hasn't been there preserve. It's been Real Madrid's. Real Madrid have usually been the default winners. Messi has made them the default winners in Spain.
2: I, I just wonder, you know, we've we've talked a lot, dotton, about how th- there are no real winners out of this because Barcelona are left with, albeit the greatest player in the world, a player who doesn't want to be there. Yeah. He's left in a situation that he doesn't want to be in. I wonder if going a little bit further down the line, there are any real winners for, for 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 this as well I mean you could say Barcelona in terms of saving his absolutely heinous wages going yeah. forward
1: well that, that's one thing I was going to say and I almost, I almost feel it feels a bit sacrilegious to kind of say it but I have been thinking a lot throughout all this I mean Messi is like whatever I think about him as the greatest player he's one of my favourite players ever I literally count the amount of times I've watched him live 31 now uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but, but but yeah, at the same time, given he is 33 and given, even if he has four years left, five years left uh, as an as a absolutely brilliant player, we are getting to the point now where any club that would sign him, had he even left, has to think about a post-Messi life. And he, can you though? I, I
2: don't I don't, yeah. I don't think you can because I think th- this is where you can make a, a Messi and Ronaldo comparison. Because the fact is, I think you look at Juventus, but mm. if I'm an elite club that puts me, looking at Juventus over the past couple of years, puts me off buying Messi. Yeah, yeah. Not not because they're the same player, yeah. but because they've completely changed their timeline of how they've done things for one person. And Ronaldo's done nothing wrong on the pitch. Yeah, He's done everything they could have asked for him and more. He scored a shit ton of goals. He scored goals in all the big games, but they're further away than they were from winning the Champions League. And why? A huge part of that is because... Um, they, they said originally to Paolo Dybala, you sign the contract. We want you to be our Messi. Yeah. We want you to be our player to drag us forward. And he said, oh, that's great. And then all of a sudden they're like, Ronaldo's available? Yeah, we didn't really say that. For, for, <laughs> yeah. for, for, forget that. And, and then, of course, the fact is they need to regenerate reinforce that squad, yeah. make that squad as good as it gets. How can you do it when you've got so much money tied up in Ronaldo? Well, see, you can't
1: do it. That's exactly the thing. I think this is relevant to, to, European, to many of the major European leagues as a whole. Messi, I mean, Barca are basically in massive need of a, of a refresh. Even Messi himself is arguing that. But that refresh, that rebuild, is basically impossible while you have Messi's wages on the books. Because they just, they just they, it has too much of a gravitational force. And it's saying, I, I think... Any club that signed him, unless it was Manchester City and Paris Saint or Paris Saint Germain, would basically have had to sacrifice their medium-term planning because he just cost that much. And that is the one downside. And it was it was the one thing, the one potential positive had for all the fallout. Had Barca got rid of him, it meant suddenly so much money was released to basically rebuild the side. And there is a wider point here because the trend of European football now is going. And I think this is one reason why. Messi hasn't won the Champions League for a few years the trend of European football is basically going towards obviously what's dominant now is this kind of uh, German pressing that is now the dominant form of football the most influential and that requires younger squads very energetic squads and a squad yeah yeah, and a a squad not just an 11 Yeah, yeah that Barca have been unable to put together
0: Look, this is fascinating for me. I've got a huge grin on my face because it's always a point where uh, you you consider when things fall apart for a football club. And what you're both saying is that even when things fall apart, there is still a comparison between Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. (laughs) Taking that point, though, conversely from your thoughts, Andy, a moment or two ago about how... Juventus's timeline was derailed uh, by signing Cristiano Ronaldo. What about Barcelona then? If Messi stays there, they've got a new broom in Ronald Koeman mm. as a coach. He has kept his own counsel over this, as far as I can tell. What happens
1: then? But, the the one thing that just just across a second, the flip side of that is, had Messi left, there has been a lot of murmurs out of Barcelona that. So much of their sponsorship deals and so many contracts might be tied in to the ongoing presence of Messi, and that if he left, then the fallout for the the hierarchy of the club could have been even worse. Because then they've got an awful mess to clear up, and 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 maybe not not as much money for rebuild as they would have thought, because they just have don't have the same income streams, and and suddenly there's there's a lot to take care of. But uh, even if there is that money. Yeah.
2: Do you trust the government well, that, government to, to, yeah. to spend it correctly? I, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think you do. I think the, the question is no longer where the is mm. going. Everyone knows yeah. where Bartimeo is going. The question is how much damage can he do in his remaining time at the club? Yeah, and I, I think there's possibly a significant amount still.
0: Like I say, things fall apart. Mm. And Ronald Koeman is in the middle of this, watching things fall apart. What at, does he do? At now?
2: least, at least he can say. I've been here at the eye of a financial storm in La Liga yeah. with Valencia before.
1: But, yeah, yeah. But do, do we think Kuman was a good signing?
2: I think he's the best from a limited market because what huge like elite level coach wants that job yeah. at the moment under the current conditions? Because you, yeah, for, for him, I think it's difficult for him to reject Barcelona. One, because it's the job he's always wanted. And two, I think we have to look at his personal situation. Yeah. I, I think the fact that uh, Euro 2020, which he would have loved to coach the Netherlands through, has been pushed a little bit further yeah. away. He knows the opportunity won't be for him, won't be there for him next year. Yeah, And also he's 57 years old. I think that's because he still looks quite young. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's quite easy to, to forget. And, and he had heart surgery this summer. I think that makes you maybe recalibrate the way that, you look at things and, and, and maybe that's But he's that's got this he's headache,
0: though. He's got this headache. That won't be good for his heart. And I don't mean to be disparaging about no, his no. illness at all, but he's got this headache, which is Lionel Messi. What's he do with Lionel Messi? I, I don't get where he's going to move. By, you know, by he's going to move it. By
2: Memphis Depay. <laughs> 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 I, I, I think that's the that's the obvious one. I, I think you have to control the controllables, really, if, you, if, if you're Ronald Koeman. And you've got to accept that Messi is is so big and has become bigger than the club that you've got to almost, I think, divorce yourself from that. He can't deal with that. And he knows he can't deal with that. If he gets to use him, then great. I, I think that that will be a definite plus for him. But I think what he's doing, getting in a, a sort of spinal column that he trusts. And of course, like the, the the view is to getting Gigi Aldam as, as, yeah. as well. Players who've done well for him in a recent context, who will interpret what he wants on the pitch. I think there's actually quite a lot of sense. And there's quite a lot of low-cost sense in that as well, which is something that is, yeah. is good for Barcelona, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, the point you made about the spine is, is a good one in that sense. Well, I think because in relation to the Champions League, it, I mean, given it's a cup and, you know... It it is much more open to, to the quirks of fortune than it than the league campaign.
2: And people overlook that, don't yeah, they?
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think that's often. It's always it's always you know. Oh, you have to be the absolute top standard to win the Champions League. You don't, and that's been proven by some like some recent winners, including Real Madrid in some of their seasons. Yeah, where where they ha- and they haven't necessarily had the most sophisticated team structure. It's I mean it's, sometimes it's felt like it's basically just Cruz and Modric imposing a playing style on the team. But with that in mind. I mean, it's something I've always. It's it's often felt as if with some Barcelona's, they they try to play a game. And especially under Kike Setsian, I suppose, given given he was basically an ideological choice for a team that's not built to an ideological model anymore, that they try to oppose a game that the squad isn't suited to, that kind of just makes them this kind of weird. It actually detracts from what to do best.
2: They're like uh, slaves to branding. Yeah, basically. yeah,
1: exactly. When, a little bit like when Argentina were at their best with Messi, like say 2014, where the squad is, or sorry, the team is basically just about put together so it can function, be solid but also just ensure Messi is in, in a sufficient position to do damage and that can go a long way in Europe.
2: De gebeurde. is boos op
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: I'm glad that you've we've had one Donald uh, Rumsfeld quote or misquote today, which is the controllable, controllable. So there are controllable, controllables, and of course there'll be uncontrollable, uncontrollables, and we could carry on forever. But we must go to Ibiza. Clearly, all the footballers go to Ibiza. But at a time like this, when they're supposed to be staying within their bubbles, these are professionals. What? PSG, do they not know that? G- in going to Ibiza, do they not know that there's a virus out there? I think the way that the club is
2: presenting a public response to this and the way they're dealing mm. with it behind closed doors are, are, are two separate things. To, to reiterate, for, for those who are unfamiliar...
1: Tell about Gareth Sok okay that. <laughs> <laughs> and you've just been in Denmark, so you should know.
0: <laughs> it's the dream job. It's yeah. the dream job.
2: But um, I think when... When um, you look at what um, Paris Saint-Germain were meant to do schedule-wise, they were meant to start their league 1 campaign uh, a week after the Champions League final. Now, they went to the league and said, we want a bit of extra time off. Now, that on the surface of it feels reasonable, even in these unreasonable times. The way I would look at it... it a, a two ways firstly their first game of the season was due to be against Lens away now Lens are one of the traditionally most passionately supported clubs in france and you can't say france generally is a football hotbed really in terms of passion t- certainly in terms of quality in in, in on the pitch I, I don't think you can argue with it but you know it's, it's not always been followed with that same fervor as as other countries and Lens, Marseille, Saint-Etienne are exceptions to that. So Lens, they're playing their first home match, their proper home match in Liga in nine years. Because the last time they were up five years ago, they were having their ground done up, the Bollard. They were having it done up for um, Euro 2016. So they were playing Amiens just up the road. Anyway, um, they are looking forward to this immensely. Their first proper home game in nine years in the top flight against Paris Saint-Germain. And they're like... Oh, but it's a bit difficult to get over emotionally. We need a bit of a rest, even with our budget that's three times the size of anyone else. Even with our absolutely enormous squad, we just need a bit of time off with our families. In ne- Ibiza. Never mind the fact... Well, we haven't even got to that yet, but <laughs> no. never mind the fact that, that that Lyon have had, what, three days more rest? because Four days more rest because they went out and out in the semi. Mm. And they played on the Friday, so they played... Nine days. They started their league campaign nine days after their Champions League campaign ended with far less resources. Anyway, so Lance, their whole attitude is like, oh, come on, man. You know, you're denying our supporters this this chance anyway. But they're like, look, we'll be rested. The (laughs) stars will be there in their best fettle." So anyway, a load of them go off to Ibiza. Come back with coronavirus. Mm. Now, Leonardo, the sporting director of Paris Saint-Germain.
0: Brazilian, of course, Yes, yeah.
2: he, he has, in his second spell at the club as a as, as sporting director, has, has come out and said, It's I love this quote, I hate Instagram. <laughs> uh, and he said, well, don't we all, when we get caught doing stuff, <laughs> no. we, we, we shouldn't have done. But but the thing is, it, he said, well, Instagram's made it seem that it's something it's not, because they were there with their families and all the rest of it. Yet yeah, we saw that on Instagram, the fact is that there's, there's no miswriting or misquoting or misattributing intentions about the fact that Neymar, Di Maria, Paredes, Marquinhos, Kelo Navas, Mauro Arcadi all come back with coronavirus. Of course, um, since then, Kylian Mbappe has been um, diagnosed with coronavirus as well. So a slight change to the rules in how these outbreaks are dealt with in France, means that they will be able to start their league, came with, their league campaign with that game at Lens tonight, on, on Thursday, um, with obviously quite a reduced squad. Because before, if you had four players that tested positive, that would be regarded as an outbreak and they would call the game off. But they thought, well, you know what, cases are rife enough that and testing cases are uh, tests are used often enough that we should be able to contain it if you've got 20 players out of your 30 man squad who are uninfected then you can play because otherwise we're going to get matches postponed left right and center so they're going to go to that and obviously lance do get their their home game in front of 5000 fans on a thursday night and as as one of the the, the, the lance players was 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 saying I like, we were kind of hoping to play the stars, you know. Pe- pe- mm-hmm. People are pe- people are <laughs> people are saying, um, you know. Well, it, this is this is a good thing for Lance, but their, yeah. their coach Frank said, "Well, do you want me to say we're the favourites? Yeah. <laughs> we're still playing Paris Saint Germain. We've yeah, so yeah. still got Verratti yeah. and Draxler. So it's well, kind of the B team, of,
0: team, isn't it? Essentially, is basically,
2: it's it's like if you're Wimbledon and mm. you were say to draw." Watford in the cup, who you know we would have got if we'd have beaten Oxford on penalties. I'm not dwelling on that. Okay, but, but 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 the fact is, it's the worst possible draw for a cup game because there's none of the glamour. Yeah, but ultimately you're going to get beaten, and Lanza are kind of in that situation as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um Funny though, it's <laughs> the whole football on holiday coronavirus thing is a very interesting one. Um, so uh, whatever about Instagram, someone at Uh, Top European club was telling me (laughs) you should look very carefully at training photos. Uh, Who's there? Who isn't? How many youth players are drafted in? Because he reckons this has been much more of an issue than has actually come out and that's across Europe. Uh, In what sense? In the sense that a lot lot of players have... uh, Basically the players' holidays have been more... uh, I'm not sure of concern is the right word but they've all gone away. They've all... The players know.
0: haven't been professional, have oh, yeah. they? Essentially. I'm, I'm trying to think of how legally with, the phrase is. Well, yeah. They haven't stayed within their they haven't stayed within their bubbles. We yeah. know that. Um, the the French players go to Ibiza, the English players go to Iceland, <laughs> and it's a similar thing, I would have thought.
1: Well, I suppose I mean I mean the, the difference with England is of course they were they're actually in a in a bubble of work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and benefiting from like a basic an athlete's exemption. Whereas when you go on holiday you don't. Um, I'd still rather go to Ibiza. Yeah, yeah. Um, than <laughs> in Iceland,
0: <laughs> if, if you're going to get coronavirus, I'm not making light of coronavirus. I know it's a very serious problem, but you're talking about young people here, young players essentially. With most of these players, they're in their twenties. Uh, it's not about the hormones raging necessarily, but people, you know, if they get the opportunity, they want to go out and rave. We've seen that here in the UK. And it's I no think, as for them,
2: as, as a top-level footballer, you feel invincible as well. Well, well uh, I mean, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's 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 part of it, isn't it? Surely, uh,
1: I'm I'm slightly surprised. I mean, I mean, this maybe comes in feeds into what you're saying about the invincibility. I'm slightly surprised more clubs didn't place more restrictions on where their players were able to go on holidays. But then I suppose there I, is.
2: You know what? I I wonder if you can do that with mm. with big stars at Paris Saint-Germain because well, th- yeah, they yeah, they've, they've always got this balance that they must have a lot of players there and you know naming no names yeah. who are a bit you're lucky to have me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I I I think there's there's, there's maybe think of that. names.
0: Yeah, I've got a couple. I,
2: <laughs> I think I think when you pay that level of wages you're conveying a certain level of privilege without even saying it.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Actually, just, I mean, this is slight, um, not a tangible, but almost going back a little bit. Because it's something I've been thinking about since the Champions League final and the nature of their defeat. For all the talk of PSG moving on to a next level and that they'd broken this, that is mental breakthrough, to some degree, this supposedly breakthrough season ended in the same way it always does, with this team going out to the first other super club they faced.
2: Yeah, I I think that's fair to say. On the other hand, I do think they're. Much as people thought they were lucky with their draw up up to the final, they're exceptionally unlucky to play a team that... I know they could have beaten them if they'd have scored one of those chances in the first half, but realistically, a team that was always going to be exceptionally difficult to beat. I mean, we Mm. talked about how footballers have been coping with lockdown and various restrictions... Bayern used it to muscle up. Yeah, like, yeah. You see the size of those guys yeah, after yeah. after the final. Like, even Coutinho looked stacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he must have looked very different to the other five foot eight players that turned up for the first tra- day of training <laughs> yeah, at yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Barcelona. Did it
0: make a difference? Did it, Was it that that made the difference?
2: Yeah, I think it did, Dutton, because I think if you look at the final, the way they ground down Paris Saint Germain in the second half of that, I mean, I, I think they're. They're simply a better team as well. I don't don't want to detract from their their technical quality and the technical quality of those players. But I think what showed actually to me how far Paris Saint-Germain had had come, I think uh, 999 out of 1,000 teams lose that final, even after playing a good first half, three or four nil, because they... Absolutely ran over them. They steamrolled yeah. them like they like they did a lot of clubs this season. Like they did a lot of good teams this season, and for the most part, they they stood up to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, also about that game. Actually, it did feel as if I know this is a bit of an intangible, but as if kind of Bayern's greater European legacy almost kind of manifested itself a bit in that. It was one of those. It felt like one of those classic almost. Once Bayern got the goal, it felt like, say, one of those ties like Juventus against Manchester United in the late nineties, where once the more experienced team was ahead, that was that. Mm. And even though Paris Saint Germain had chances late on, they were kind of snatching at it, and it was it, Bayern always felt in control. It did, it did feel as if they had that kind of greater level of nous almost, or...
2: Yeah, I mean, I, th- that's the thing. so if, if we just distill it to, to Neymar, actually. Hmm. I think the interesting thing about him, and we talk about how different... or Leonardo talks about how different Instagram is from real life. Hmm. I, I think uh, be- because of his public persona, it's easy to forget what an incredibly hard worker he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, just because he craves responsibility doesn't mean he can always deal with the pressure right, because yeah. I felt he struggled with that a little bit against Atalanta in the mm. in, in the quarterfinal as well and until Mbappe came yeah. on he was on the brink of like losing his shit and kicking someone and yeah, getting yeah. sent a, a off. A classic
1: Neymar, yeah. Yeah.
0: Does Leonardo still have the looks? Oh yeah. He's absolutely. still got the looks because he's he's, he's arguably the most eloquent former footballer there is he speaks so poetically but the ladies love him so if he hadn't gone on to be this big cheese at psg Mm. he would have been the star of any football tv show Uh, if you want to attract women go for leonardo but having said that psg do have ambition don't they miguel they do have ambition going forward that that loss in the Champions League final must have hurt them to a certain extent. But I understand from a piece that you've just written in The Independent that their ambition is stretching all the way to North London.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it, they are um, ahead of anyone else in the race, to use tabloids, uh, for uh, Hector Bellerin. Um uh, There have been meetings between uh, PSG and his representatives. He's got a lot of it. I mean, Arsenal... I think they're taking the reluctant decision to sell him. There is may, there is maybe some or there are maybe some arguments that they feel he might have hit a ceiling as a player and if there's if there's one area where they can kind of sacrifice play someone to basically raise sales for more necessary positions it's right back given they might have Maitland-Niles. Maitland, but yeah, I think Arsenal are going to reluctantly sell Bayer and want 30 35 million for him and Paris Saint-Germain look at the moment the likeliest to pay it.
0: Having said that, it, Barcelona, his former home club, obviously his his childhood's club, is also in the running, as I understand it, to sign Hector Bellerin uh, for a lot less money. I don't think they've got the money. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Too. And if it came down to that at Barça, I don't think we'll, we'll be able to compete. Which mm-hmm. is to again sums up kind of the problem we've been talking about earlier. To, to, to me,
2: thirty million seems like quite a lot. I, I don't know about you, Miguel. I mean, you've seen Bellerin at even mm. close quarters than I have over over the last couple of years covering so much Premier League football. Uh, so. I personally feel with with Bellerin, and maybe going back to what we were talking about with with Neymar, it's the package. I mean, the whole persona yeah. is very attractive. He's, he's very he's very like my wife's favourite footballer, well, he, for, he, he, for, 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 for example. Because and I think that's that's important. I'm not I'm not before saying... he cut
1: his hair. Like but, actually, <laughs> just know that you mentioned that. Here's an interesting one. So Bayarin is basically seen as possibly the most socially conscious footballer exactly is, Yeah. Right. there's
2: the forest green rovers yeah yeah all of that all, yeah, he's, in he's,
1: he's in terms of he's very into envi- environmental consciousness he's pretty very left wing and yet he's willing to be if he if he joins paris saint-germain he's willing to be what would be essentially a proxy ambassador for qatar
0: that's interesting, isn't it? Where,
1: so how does that how does that fit? It is, it's a very very interesting question.
0: That's a lot to put on a young shoulder. Well, I mean, if you
1: if you make yourself such a spokesman, you you, you, you have a responsibility well, to think about these decisions. Like the, we we all know what these clubs are at this point.
0: But Marcus Rashford, for example, makes himself such a spokesman on an issue. Doesn't mean that we have to mm. hang the entire you know fortunes
1: but, of but, but, this but, government on him. No, no, but but, but but Rashford, I mean, Rashford mm. isn't even by playing for Manchester United, he's not, he's not say, by, by doing that, he's not an ambassador for the sort of politics or the sort of capitalism. He is now, that the, that the despite gla- himself. No, no, no. no, no he's, but I mean, he's, oh, not, he, he's not an ambassador for the sort of politics or the sort of capitalism that the Glazers um, would uh, perpetuate uh, because that's, that's it, it, the model of ownership isn't the same. Whereas with Paris Saint-Germain or Manchester City, the the naked objective or sorry the, the political objective of the owners is very naked and we've got to the point of both of those clubs where you can't you can't just you can't go to them blindly and think, oh like like say with Pep Guardiola two years ago when he came under criticism for the yellow ribbon stuff you can't you can't just pretend that you don't know about this so if you, if, if if you're someone that is so socially conscious and so well spoken on so many issues you can't plead ignorance isn't on this it, other side
0: isn't it one of those issues with all due respect isn't it one of those issues that Wherever you go to as a top-flight footballer, apart from Wimbledon AFC, of course, where and Charlton, by the way, uh, wherever. Well, hang, let me take the Charlton bit back. Wherever you go to as a top-flight footballer, you will be having to
1: dance with the devil to some extent. Okay, yeah, but there is a spectrum, and obviously the the, the sheer size of of European football now, and it's kind of. Um, the amount of power almost kind of social power allows political capital allows means it basically attracts you know questionable interests from all areas of society but even within that Paris Saint-Germain and Manchester City are two very very different clubs are two unique clubs because they are the only clubs essentially owned and run by states for political purposes where both clubs are almost political vehicles for the state So uh,
2: picking that up I was actually going to say originally I think there's I think there's a, a strong argument that if they get 25, 30 million for Bayern in Arsenal, mm. I think that's very good value. Because personally, I don't know what you feel, but I feel he's been nowhere near the player he once oh, agree, yeah. promised to be. But he once got he came that injury.
0: Through. He, he got yeah, the injury. He,
2: he did, but but the, but the fact remains that he is not the player that everyone thought he would be. The first so couple is, of seasons,
0: would you not say that? The first couple of seasons when he was bombing down the right wing for Arsenal. Oh, he looked like crossing. he
2: was... Well, that, that was when he was originally being linked with Barcelona. Yeah, when, yeah. When Barcelona were... I'm not, not saying they're a club not to not to aspire to be part of anymore, but when they were, you know, the best. Yeah. And, and he was, you know, thought as of almost preordained to, to go back mm. there at some point. Whereas now, going back to Miguel's point, I wonder if, if that's what they are buying. They're not buying just yeah. a good right back, but someone who uh, maybe softens the image yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah,
1: as a bit of kudos, yeah. It, it ties into the whole kind of glamour and kind of uh, they want to perpetuate what Paris are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have to ask my my little nephew, because uh, despite the fact that you've seen Berrien at very close quarters, he's seen him at even closer quarters (laughs) because he played against him. All right. And he said that Berrien, this is when I started taking him seriously, uh, Hector Bellerin, that he was the first player to have him in his pocket the whole game. Mm. And Bellerin can do that to opposition. Mm. He can have them in their pocket. They're not going to get the ball off him at any point. He's going to skip past them and cross that ball when it comes down to the uh, corner flag. Cross that ball for a goal. And and he he scores one or two goals himself, and it's always a celebration. Okay, I think it's time for us to go
1: yee-haw! Oh, (inaudible) yeah! L'extérieur du pied
0: de Ricardo Quaresma! so Andy <laughs> do you want to tell us what that was about well, you have to go to the end of ricardo crodeshma 's
2: <laughs> signing video to to, to to get to that I think it's the start of something pretty special for Portuguese football, no not the fact that they 're signing a thirty seven year old player. Um, even if he's one who's like still got a, still a, looks a, good
0: a lot of quality still looks good. We saw his pecs in the video. Yeah,
2: absolutely. We certainly <laughs> did. And I, I, th- I think that, that Ricardo Quaresma has gone to Gimenez. For me, it's very exciting because he's he's, he's one of my favourite players, and they're an extraordinarily historical club. But I think it's very interesting how Portuguese clubs, who obviously. don't don't have a lot of disposable cash especially compared with a lot of the European elites we're talking about here they've gone with some very um, very innovative very thoughtful social media approaches to, to get their get their message out there we had this with um, we talked about it on on, on the main ramble uh, about um, passo de Ferreira announcing their fixtures the other week with their um, their beaver mascot and um, basically announcing who they were playing in the various fixtures by doing something associated with that that team so for for example um when they were playing porto um the beaver was sitting in a chair in a restaurant and he receives a, a francesinha which is the the traditional very cheesy um sandwich that you, that you get in Porto and he, he sat there and he he sprinkled a bit of hay over it and and, and, and tucked in then you had him like uh, grilling a chicken when they were playing uh, Gilles Vicente because the, the cock of barcelos comes comes from there etc etc he lost in the fog when they were playing Maritimo because it's really foggy in, in that little uh, part of <laughs> That's Ma- good. Ma- madeira That's good. It was it was, it was, it <laughs> That's was decent <laughs> a- a- any, anyway with with Quaresma you, you think of, of this guy and that, you know, they, they, they have him in this, in, in this church and he's there in like a sort of smoking jacket. So that's underneath. a castle, isn't it? Yeah. Castle. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sort of a uh, bare chested underneath with, with all his bling. And, uh, he, he comes outside. He puts the shirt on. He comes outside, and he's offered the keys to the the Mustang, and that you've forgotten
0: set... the butler. Come on, yeah, The butler the... plays a bit part, but it's an important
2: part. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the, the butler offers him the keys to the Mustang, yeah. doesn't he? After, after after giving him his shirt, and um, he's he's offered the the keys to the Mustang, and Mustang was his first nickname when he was a, a young player coming coming through, and he, he says no to the to the Mustang, and it goes back he in the castle. Say no. He
0: looks at the camera and like.
2: Yeah, and he he goes back in the the castle and comes out on a white horse in his... A Mustang, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think, again, it's worth pointing out that um, the first Portuguese king is from Guimanej, which is why it says, long live the king, and he comes out as the new king. But Quirajma is just ceaselessly fascinating to me because... If you'd have looked at him when he was 25 and you'd have said that he's still playing at a good level when he's 37, I don't think anyone would have believed you. You go back a little bit further than that when he's 19 or 20, and you compare him coming through the um sporting academy with Cristiano Ronaldo, he's who's two years older than. Him. If you'd have asked most sporting watchers then, they would have said Quaresma is going to be the star mm-hmm. and Cristiano Ronaldo's going to have a good career because in terms of natural talent Quaresma can do stuff with the ball that you absolutely cannot believe
1: at that point he did look like the more complete player didn't he then Ronaldo Ronaldo felt more kind of like as if he had so much more of his game to work on and and a a bit more raggedy whereas Quaresma at that early stage looked so so much more polished as a player
2: and he he was physically ahead of where Ronaldo is as, 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 as well whereas you look at Quaresma now he's solid, but he's, he's not playing number nine in mm. the near future. You know, Ronaldo is an absolute tank, and his physical evolution is absolutely incredible. Did,
0: didn't you remember that? I remember you giving me an anecdote about how Kresmer and Ronaldo used to Come up with a new trick every day. Do you remember
2: that? Yeah, they they used to do that. To, a fun um, time. <laughs> that, that it really irritated the coach, Laszlo Bologna, who was who, who was at Sporting at the time. This was the last time that Sporting won the league. They were both there. This was in uh, 2002, and they've not really come that close since, give give or take one one or two yeah. occasions. But um, the the thing is with Quaresma is you know you had a couple of big club moves that that, that failed. So I think one big club move where you fall on your face when you're young you can get away with and that was him at Barcelona but then you have after he was very successful at Porto Inter didn't work out Chelsea (laughs) was a little bit different because Luis Felipe Scolari signed him and then got sacked less than a, a week later
0: but it didn't work out nevertheless
2: yeah absolutely he didn't he didn't really get his chance now the Scolari thing was a little bit different because him and Scolari had such an incredible closeness. And this, I think, is a theme with Quaresma of something that's very important to him. Qu- uh, Scolari felt so strongly about Quaresma that when he had um, that dispute, it was in a qualifier between, uh, at the Dragão, actually, in Porto, between Portugal and Serbia. When uh, Dragatinovic of Serbia, who used to play for Sevilla, shoved Quaresma out the way, Scolari came across from the bench and he hit Dragatinovic in the face and Dragutinovich is a big guy he's like 6 foot 4 and really heavily so built well, well no he, he, just, he, just, he just punches his way I, I think that's the difference but they interviewed him in the flash mm. straight afterwards and they said you hit Dragutinovich and he went no it didn't it's like well you, you did and everyone saw it on live television and he went I'm just defending my boy I'm just defending my boy. And it got made into sketches on Portuguese comedy programs and all the rest of it. But it, it just does show the A, the closeness between those two and B, what Koreshma needs to thrive. I mean, a lot of the perceptions about him, they're, ra- they're, they're rooted in ethnic prejudice, really. Because people will say... Oh well, the reason he can like people who you would consider reasonable people, they still bring out that prejudice against gypsies. They'll go, mm. "Oh well, he's he's a gypsy. You, you can't expect him to sound straight." Now people still say that stuff. It's outrageous. The thing is with Quaresma, if you're comparing him to Cristiano Ronaldo, there's always going to be a drop-off because Mm. Ronaldo is the most motivated footballer in the history of football. Whether you think he's the best is a different question, but he's where he is because he has this obsessive desire to succeed. Now, Quaresma wants to win, but you can't really judge him by that standard. And also, I think you've always sensed, like the one, the one cliche that you can take about him, he's always needed that sense of family around yeah. him, and he found that at Porto, and he found that at Benfica. And he can, but, if he can find that at, at Guimarães as well, he's still got loads of quality, and they could do well out of it.
1: Just on that, actually, what was the um, what was the relationship between Ronaldo and Carrasco, and who's the senior senior figure?
2: It's it's interesting because that has changed. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing when you spend time with Portugal is how the relationship with Ronaldo and a lot of those players mm. he grew up with has changed because you would expect them to be like Pally and Matey with yeah. him. There's there's no standoffishness exactly. Yeah, yeah. But they kind of revere him in a weird way. Even the people he's grown up with. Yeah. Since he's become this he's grown into this this God. In Portugal, the relationship between Ronaldo and Coutinho, though, is quite particular because well, you remember at uh, the last World Cup where Coutinho scored his, his classic Travella yeah. out uh, out of the, outside of the boot shot against Iran, a brilliant goal. It's the only time in recent memory that I've seen Ronaldo. Well he was joyous at that moment, <laughs> which was amazing. But to see him even interested
1: yeah, in yeah. someone else
2: scoring a goal yeah, yeah. was something that was that was that was quite remarkable. But the other thing for Kureshma going forward into this season, Guimanesh have got a new coach, uh Tiago, who's the head coach of a, of a top team for the for, for the first time of, of a, uh the top flight team for the first time. Tiago, who of course was midfielder for Benfica, Porto, uh, Chelsea, he had that pretty good season at, at, at Chelsea. He played more matches than people think, and he was scored that brilliant goal at Old Trafford when they'd already won the league. And Atletico Madrid. And he was a huge part of Atletico's um, success, or, or, or should I say Diego Simeone's success at Atletico. He was that kind of on-pitch coach for him. And he was one of those guys... You know, you think about Nuno at Wolves, for example, who was almost a coach before he was a coach because... He spent so much time on the periphery of things and Thiago in the back end of his career was injured a lot. So he was on bench doing quite a lot of the similar things that, that Gabby did on the pitch when he was the captain that he's almost like a, a player coach without that officially being the case. So I tend to think that he'll do quite well. I think one of the reasons that Quaresma has turned up there is because he's someone who people think you know, who people respect and admire at the elite of the European game. And I, I think he could be a really good coach going forward. Gimade should be good to watch.
0: He only, he nearly ended up in India. You know this?
2: What were we talking about, Tiago or Koreshma?
0: No, Koreshma. Right. Do you know that? Tell me. He Apparently, there was an Indian team after him as well, but nice. they decided to balk at his. Uh, one and a half million euro, whatever it is fee.
2: But he's he's got all the jewels in
0: the world anyway. Yeah. Like yeah. what what could he possibly need? Well, you can't drop your your, your your fee, can you? Just because Well he's even got castle to store some from him, And he's got a Mustang as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, look. I think it's fair to say that there is one point in proceedings when you normally, Andy, say to us, There's some freeness, come, give us the love. Yeah, we're going to get some free TV, football on TV, free.
2: Yeah, and people have made a bit of a thing of this. Uh, But uh, the thing is, I was looking forward to doing it this week, Don, when we, we, we sort of normally come up with a game of the week on On the Continent. Um, but obviously I would have gone with the restart of La Liga and they're doing this thing, or they were doing this thing, called called Football Fridays, where they have um every game on a Friday night would be shown free in the in the UK. And you think fantastic, Granada versus Athletic Granada Hooray! just qualified for Europe for the first time. Roberto Soldado! Hooray! Thank you. Not happening. <laughs> because of the route between Miguel, the um, La Liga, and the RFEF, the Spanish FA, has been brewing for a while. I don't know, can you even describe it as a row between the two bodies? Because really, it's a row between two men, isn't it? Yeah. Javier Tebas and Luis Rubiales.
1: Yeah, essentially. And, and that is it. And a clash of, how to put this again, <laughs> diplomatically, forthright personalities <laughs> who enjoy... The influence they have. I was actually just before we came on. I just did a Google search of um, <laughs> La Liga or FEF controversy, and the amount of different stories, the amount of different things they've clashed <laughs> over. Like it's just an endless. And I like <laughs> you see some of the headlines, and you think Spanish FA calls for Liga president Tebas to resign. I, oh, that, what's that related to? Then there's one a, a similar story. Um, a, a few a few links down. Which is related to something else entirely, um, but, but another call for his resignation, and yeah, and that that is essentially it. It's, I mean, there, there are there are obviously other elements tangled up in this, um, but and, and one of those, I suppose, is a little bit like that England has had in that it's one federation or sorry, one organization who are concerned with. The game in their country, which is the Orie FEF or the FA, say, and then another competition, which is almost becoming something, um, an organisation into itself and uh, and sees itself almost as an international brand, which is Liga, and that's the key, isn't it? Yeah, the international
2: yeah. part of it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, and, and that and that has fostered most of the biggest uh, issues over the last few years, including this weekend, um, we, we, um because the RAFEF are basically you know criticising La Liga for trying to smuggle in international or, sorry fi- smuggle in fixtures on dates they don't want that they think kind of um, overly influences the kind of traditions of Spanish football the way they again the same sort of debates we've seen we've seen in England and it ultimately comes down to as well the the ambition of La Liga and La Liga would say it's important to try well La Liga would argue or Tabas would argue that this is all for the benefit of Spanish football because it's about bringing more money into Spanish football, increasing the profile of Spanish football and, and you know, La Liga investigating whatever they can do to increase the profile and compete with the Premier League like games in Miami. Hmm. Uh, and the Ori just see this as a absolute sacrilege.
0: Gentlemen, thank you very much. It's been what I've learned from this one is what Miguel was saying earlier. This is the most profound thing. Study those training photographs of your teams <laughs> very, very closely. This yes